Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There's stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to episode 136 of Geek Town Radio. We are back after a semi-break last week, and I have with me Bex. Hello, I'm ill. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, just... I, I am the source of con flu this year. <laughs> yes, it was so nice of you to go to Comic Con and spread that around to people. <laughs> I was only a tiny, tiny bit ill. I thought I was fine. <laughs> then I wasn't fine. Then other people weren't fine and now i feel very very bad <laughs> yes patient zero <laughs> absolutely the zombie apocalypse i'm afraid guys it's all on me oh dear so yeah well um, the reason the main reason you're on despite being ill this week is because of the fact that we were both at comic con uh, last weekend how how was it for you how was your con it was it was manic but it was good yeah it was it was definitely good fun some of the people i got to meet um especially getting to meet uh colossus <laughs> yes. uh, Stefan Kapikic, is that how you say his surname? I, I, your guess is as good as mine. I, I would say so, yes. Every time I type it, I think I've typoed it. Um, <laughs> but he was so lovely and... Yeah, there's a good there's a good selfie with me. Yes, like hugging so him, like yay. Um, he was he was lovely. Um, and yeah, thank you for letting me go and record that that interview for you guys because he was such a nice guy, and I got to ask some questions as well. So massively, even more looking forward to Deadpool two after that one. Uh, meeting the Red Dwarf guys yeah, as well. That's always and fun. And continuing my streak of every time I meet Danny John Jules, <laughs> I ask him a question and everything goes wrong. Yes, yes. That's, and I managed be, it again. To be fair, I think that's more on Danny than it is on you, really. <laughs> but it's always my question. That's the thing. <laughs> Nobody else asks the question that caused him to start playing as Tony Hawk's heavy metal on his phone <laughs> and then them to cut the interview. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was, it was great fun. He is such a character. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, I have since tried to uh, heckle him on Twitter to try and get him to actually follow through since he said he promised me a song yes I don't think I'm getting my song we might no. need to make it ourselves yes yeah those guys are on really good form it's funny with those guys because if they've rushed and are feeling under pressure you can get very short quick answers and not get much out of them but they were on really good form for the interview this time I thought so uh, yeah they've so, got yeah. such a good rapport between them and it was it was such a, a funny panel that's obviously up on the geek town youtube um yes. and a different edit up on up on mine um it, it was awesome comic-con in general was it was big there was more comics yeah yeah there, there was. was more comics definitely comic village was bigger and better and right near the front near one of the main entrances so yeah. i was loving that definitely i bought quite a few comics this time yeah i mean i i had a quick look round. i didn't overly look around it that much because i we're doing it again in birmingham in about two weeks so i i'll have a better look around the comic village when it's it's there uh, i know it might not be quite as big but i will have a look around that one i think but uh, yeah it was really nice that they they moved the comic that area right to the front of, of one of the stage next to the marvel stand rather than tucked away back in a corner which it has been in previous years so, uh, yeah, and it so. was way, well laid out. There was a lot of space. You could easily get around and see everyone. I think mm. there was more of it as well. I was doing interviews with a lot of the independent comic writers, and there were a lot of new guys I hadn't seen before, as well as the people you see bringing out new comics every year that are there. And it was it was really enjoyable. I had a great but absolutely manic time, and obviously slightly ill, fending it off. Kept meaning to go home early. <laughs> kept ending up in the fox. <laughs> 
She's like, <laughs> dancing local... the Macarena with Pikachu, Blade and Mario. <laughs> yes, the fox being the local drinking establishment. <laughs> yes. It, it um, was, but we, we, it was a good um, 90s-tastic, 80s and 90s-tastic night yes. where they played MC Hammer and the Macarena <laughs> and some, like, Kylie Minogue and... It, it was it was good good cheesy fun and there's nothing like a whole entire room of cosplayers <laughs> dancing to the Pokemon theme tune or something that, that makes you go yep yeah, this is this is definitely Comic Con yes yeah it was really good fun there was some amazing cosplay there this year uh, I, I took an awful lot of cosplay photos which are all up on the site and uh, the interviews were great Manu Bennett we ended up doing two with Manu Bennett because he did one on Saturday and one on Sunday the interview with Anthony Mackie who plays Falcon in the Avengers which we didn't actually go and record but you can find uh, people have posted it up on YouTube that was brilliant it was really funny Hayley Atwell I caught a little bit of one of her panels uh, she seemed really good but wasn't doing any press so we didn't get any stuff with her Doctor you guys David Bradley and Claudia Grant who are well David Bradley's definitely in the uh, Christmas special but they're doing this first Doctor adventures for Big Finish people so they're, they're doing that which look really good Stefan as you mentioned and Anthony Lemke who was amazing who's one of the stars of Dark Matter who's at, was actually talking for the first time about the show's cancellation and I put that interview out on the uh, podcast last week but I thought he was brilliant really quite philosophical about the whole thing which is uh, uh, it was a really lovely interview that I really enjoyed that one so yeah, they were all really nice guys it was good fun I got to um, learn a bit of lightsaber fighting as well oh cool yes those um, those guys are great yeah yeah the silver saber guys i got to do an interview with them which i'm still editing it was quite good uh, one of my highlights is when they go to give me a lightsaber to show me a few moves on camera they take one look at me and go i oh, know you'll be wanting a red lightsaber won't you <laughs> i thought is it that obvious <laughs> that obviously completely evil yeah but they were so great definitely there, got there your were number. so many so many good interesting different things this time uh comic-con just never fails to to be a great weekend and uh, of course it's been bought now so it's going to be different yeah i mean the, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it changes because uh for those that don't know ncm's been bought out by uh read pop now and read pop are the people behind new york comic con they also do star wars celebration and do packs and a bunch of other different events as well so um, they're, they're a massive I think they're, they're the world's largest pop culture events promoter so uh, hopefully you know we'll still get the same sort of press access that we got at Comic Con before but you'll get bigger stars and bigger names I mean we saw that a bit with this time because one of the things with um, October Comic Con tends to be that the guests aren't quite as big but like this time around we had as I say, Hayley Atwell, we have one of the guys from the uh, Avengers there. So they really outdid themselves, we guess, this this time around. And they had that big Marvel stand and they had a big DC stand on the other side. So, you know, I, I think if if that's any sign of, of things to come, I think it, it should be uh, really cool. Really, really. Yeah, cool. they said in uh, there was an interview up on YouTube already where they had um, the guy who heads the direction for the, for the uh, London MCMs talking about read pop and they said they had read pop people there yes. this time they're already influencing it and bringing people over and they want to bring more artists more high profile artists and comic book writers and the big names in that industry not just the film star people and things and that i think could be a really positive change they certainly sounded very happy about all of the new things that are going to be happening so fingers crossed yeah it's just going to get better yeah that that would be nice to see more of the bigger comic book guys there as well you know as well as all the uh, film and tv people birmingham as i say is the next one coming up that's on the 18th and 19th of november at the nec in birmingham they've already got anthony daniels book for that pearl mackey is going to be the there david bradley's going to be there bernard cribbins guy henry keith allen apparently is coming to that one so that's looking good so far and we've still got a few weeks 
to announce guests as well. And they've only just started announcing guests. So it'll be interesting to see who else turns up for that. Should be good. So that's it. That's 18th and 19th of November that one's coming. So on top of Comic-Con, what else have you managed to do whilst being ill? I can tell you the things I haven't managed to do. Go on. <laughs> I've not seen Spider-Man. I've still not seen Blade Runner. I've still not seen Star Trek Discovery. I've not been able to look at screens. I barely, I mean, I've managed to, to do some editing for videos and stuff. But other than that, I just can't stare at a screen and I can't stay awake for long enough. So it's it's been a lot of me just sort of lying in bed going, I want to be watching Blade Runner and then being asleep long before I could have sat for the whole runtime. Oh dear. Yes. Well, I mean, I've, I've been sort of catching up on things because the problem is when you're away for a weekend, you then get massively behind on everything. So I've been catching up on, on stuff. I managed to catch up on The Good Doctor, which is a new show which started on Sky Living, which I'm really enjoying. I mean, it's it's by David Shaw, stars Freddie Highmore. Uh, David Shaw's the guy that made House, and it feels very House-like, but the sort of lead character is autistic and actually rather more likable than House was uh, in terms of, of sort of personality. But uh, it's a really interesting idea. It's based on a Korean format brought over by Daniel Day Kim from Hawaii Five O, and he's an exact producer on it. And it's it's a really interesting show. That it's a good solid sort of. I know it's not genre based, but it's it's a good solid medical drama. That if you if you're into those sort of things, uh, other new shows that started Strike Back came back from a sixth season that's got an entirely new cast to it i know some people are are bemoaning the loss of the two main guys um scott and stonebridge but obviously they're off doing other things and we knew we weren't going to get those back i I actually quite enjoyed it i don't really want to overly judge it because i've only seen one episode it's not quite as strong as it was when it finished but then you know those guys had like five seasons yeah well four seasons to kind of get that close relationship so we're only in the very beginning right now uh but i i thought it was very watchable still quite enjoyed it um marvel in humans started on tv have you seen any of this yet nope i'm useless this week i've not i've not seen any of it there was quite mixed reactions to the trailers and i wasn't sure which way that one was going to go so i'm gonna have to trust your judgment on this one i would say because i saw it in imax originally and wasn't overly impressed with imax i thought there was something there but wasn't overly impressed with it i think it works much much better on a smaller screen i actually am quite enjoying it i don't think it's it's the strongest TV show yet, but then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't the strongest TV show in its first season either. So, and I No, think, that's a very good point. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. took a while and then absolutely exploded. Yeah. So, I, and I think there is something in this. I am quite enjoying it. I find it quite watchable. I know there's been a very mixed reaction to it. Whether it makes it out of one season, I don't know, but we'll see. Ghosted, I also saw, which I actually quite enjoyed. It's a, It's only half an hour. It's a fun kind of silly, comedy it is what they say which is sort of this cross between kind of ghostbusters and x-files uh, and it, it's it's a very stupid kind of silly comedy but it's quite well done and uh, thoroughly enjoyable so uh, that's on itv2 well worth going to watch that i actually finally got around to watching spider-man homecoming which has just come out on uh, dvd and blu-ray so uh, that i finally watched really really enjoyed that i think tom holland's superb as in that role and uh, i like the characterization of it because the you know he's playing a 15 year old child and they are treating him like a 15 year old child uh you know the the important things in his life are are you know school and the homecoming dance and that sort of thing and as much as he loves being spider-man it's it's got all that kind of the teenage angst stuff that was in the comic books is in there you know i think it's a really solid version of the character it's one that we've not seen before it's nicely different so uh, i'm looking forward to seeing more of that and uh, the big thing this week of course was stranger things 2 which launched i now have binged raced my way through the entire second season of that absolutely solid again duffer brothers completely knock it out of the park i would say it's as good as the first season was it's got all those lovely little 80s touches to it you know there's there's little bits of goonies little bits of et in there there's even bits of things like alien in there it's it's just so well crafted and nicely put together the kids are great the adult cast are great totally enjoyed 
enjoyed it. Well worth going to watch. And there's only nine episodes and they're about 45, 50 minutes long. So uh, you can sit and kind of binge to watch your way through that in a weekend quite easily, I think. Yeah, I do need to catch up on that. I've, I've not seen Stranger Things 1 yet, much to everyone's <laughs> amusement. I'll tell you what I have funny. seen, though. I've been watching the new Red Dwarf. Yes, yes. That's and brilliant. And it's getting better each week. It is, it is. I think you posted online saying you watched uh, M Corp, which is the, it's actually this week's episode, isn't it? But it was on the on-demand thing. Yeah, I've seen all of the ones that are up on the UK TV play, free to watch. Yeah, the, that's that's M Corp, which is the, the one which actually airs this week because they put... Yeah, people may not realise this, but they put the the next episode up the same day that the I think the same day that the previous episode airs on TV, if that makes sense. So it sort of premieres online. But mm. uh, yeah, the both, wa- both Mechocracy and M Corp. Yes, exceptionally strong. Yeah, really good classic stuff in there i think you know there's some great callbacks in the m corp episode as well which i thought was brilliant really really well put together uh and uh yeah, yeah. i won't give too much about it away but no. if you're a red dwarf fan yeah these these recent episodes because cured that's pretty good siliconia is pretty good time wave is pretty good but they all i felt they all kind of ended a bit abruptly they were kind of entertaining, but they had the silly, but they didn't have quite as much of the sort of intelligence that some of the other. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. obviously it's Red Dwarf. It's mostly silly, but a lot of the jokes were also quite clever in places in the past. The way they'd built up the cat religion and were showing kind of how belief structures work and things and how things can go out of whack if it's based on something as preposterous as a laundry list and things like that. And <laughs> yeah. A laundry list and a postcard, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, things like... Yeah, mechocracy looking and they they talk about how they base the posters in mechocracy on famous dictators posters and things like that. And then M Corp again, we're taking an idea and and running with it in a very social commentary kind of way. I was laughing and then at other times I was like, oh dear, we're only like 20 years off that. Yeah, I mean, the the basic setup for for M Corp could almost have been an episode of Black Mirror. You know, absolutely. Oh, because don't want to go into it, but the uh, because you know it hasn't aired on TV yet. But that that episode, the basic premise of it, really could have been an episode of Black Mirror without any problem at all. And I think they did a really nice job with it. So hats off to I don't know whether it was um, Doug that wrote that one, but yeah, really, really nice job whoever wrote that episode. I thought it was really solid. If this is a sign of of things to come, yeah, then it's just going strength to strength because I was enjoying it. But the last two episodes, really, really good. I was impressed with how good they were and how they were using a mixture of new ideas, clever ideas, funny dialogue and old callbacks to to give us that kind of you know self-referential humor as well yeah. just absolutely perfect my favorite one so far yeah it's really good really really good so uh yeah if you're watching online that's the latest episode online if you're not watching online it's the uh, one that goes out this week on tv so uh yeah really solid thoroughly enjoying this season of red dwarf i think they've done an excellent excellent job i'm hoping that they come back and do more as well so yeah i think i think that's all the stuff we've been up to the last week let's move on to some tv and film news <laughs> So we kick off the TV and film news this week with the air date updates, as we do always. Uh, some interesting stuff and, uh, yeah, lots of stuff this week because we've been sort of effectively off for two weeks. We'll start off with the big story, which is House of Cards, which, uh, as somebody pointed out on Reddit, who would have thought a show called House of Cards would, like, crumble so <laughs> dramatically? Um, so they announced after... the Obviously, there was all the stuff uh, came out with Kevin Spacey, last week they then announced that uh, season six would be the last then it came out that they'd halted production then netflix turned around and said they wouldn't continue with the show unless kevin spacey was fired so kevin spacey is fired the moment we don't know what's going to happen whether season six will actually happen and they will find a creative way to get rid of spacey's character which they'd sort of done at the end of season five anyway i mean claire was in charge and was president i mean space he was still around his character was still around so whether they can find a way of of getting rid of him somehow i don't know and carry on 
to finish season six, which I would like them to do because I don't want the whole thing to be brought down by one guy. That's very unfair for everybody else that's involved in the production. Mm, And it's unfair on the fans. They deserve a resolution to the series, even if it's somewhat sooner than they expected. Yeah. um, So, I mean, they, they were talking about ending it with season six anyway, but obviously the resolution would have been very different had Kevin Spacey still been part of it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that and whether something comes of it. They have been talking about potentially doing spin-off series as well, following other characters. Whether that will happen now, I, I don't know. They might just decide to to end it and not do any more. Or I think there were only two episodes into this production, but obviously a lot of money will have already been spent on it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, tricky situation that they've been put in there, but you know, I think it's the right thing for them to do. But I would like to see some sort of resolution to the series, but uh, we'll see what happens. Over on ITV, uh, they've renewed Cold Feet for the eighth season, which is no shock to anybody given its ratings last year uh, or earlier this year. This year, I think you know it's uh, it's been a huge ratings winner for ITV, so no no surprise that that's coming back. CBS has cancelled Zoo. Uh, which is the wonderfully bonkers program about animals ganging up on the humans. And uh, they then kind of went completely off the rails and had the animals become mutated and it got very strange. But uh, they've now decided that that won't be coming back for another season, which is kind of annoying because they left it on a cliffhanger. But uh, that's a shame, so that won't be coming back. I wish they wouldn't leave shows on cliffhangers. It's very irritating. Mm, I'm not sure they actually knew where they were going with that one, I'll be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think you're probably right. Um, um, it, it did seem to be kind of making it up as it went along. But uh, yeah, the, unfortunately, we re- we're left with a cliffhanger with that, and I don't think it's ever going to get resolved. Ray Donovan has been picked up for a six series, but the show and the production are moving from LA to New York, apparently. So, because uh, he's been, Ray Donovan, the character, has been a fixer in Los Angeles for the first five seasons. He's now going to move to New York to be a fixer there. So, uh, that's quite a big change for that series. Uh, they've officially renewed Star Trek Discovery for a second season, which is no great shock, given it's been quite successful for CBS on its uh, on-demand system and uh, with its sales around the world. So, that is going to be back for another season which I'm very happy about and the Orville which is the not Star Trek version of Star Trek uh, (laughs) that's been picked up for a second season by Fox as well which despite the fact that critics mauled it when it first came out fans absolutely love it and a lot of people seem to be saying this is Star Trek for people that liked sort of next generation and that sort of thing. You know, it's sort of more Star Trek than Star Trek is now. <laughs> yeah, well, they've sort of gone one way with one and very much the other way <laughs> yeah. with the other. So everyone's kind of covered. As long yeah. as you didn't like middle ground Star Trek, you're okay now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So, uh, and I, I've not seen the Orville yet, but it does massively appeal to me. It uh, starts next month. I think it's around the 14th or 15th of December. I think it starts on um, Fox over here. So I'm looking forward to that coming over. And um, I'm loving Discovery. I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but I'm really enjoying that show. I need to watch it. I need to make friends with more people with particular logins to particular types of streaming <laughs> accounts and um, get, yes, to, get to watch more of it because I definitely want to watch it. I yeah. discovered an interesting, slightly unrelated Star Trek fact today, though. What's that? The, uh, the, the lady who played Dax in DS9 yes. was in a unaired pilot for a american version of red dwarf as the cat yes she was she was something farrell her name is but uh yeah she was that's absolutely true there was an unaired pilot in the u.s where they changed the cat from being a guy to a girl which made no sense whatsoever because the whole point of that character is the fact that it's this ridiculous preening kind of mm. Well, person. they changed the character as well and they made her far more capable and, and sort of more of a violent and they reused a lot of the lines they'd used to describe monsters, she would say them. Right. So things okay. Crichton had said about monsters, about the crazy synthetic mechanoids that destroy humans. Yeah. And things he'd say, oh, they'll rip off your, your head and use your guts to make balloon animals. And she says those lines herself as what she's going to do to monsters that come at them. So they sort of turned it all yeah. on its head, which which could have been quite interesting. Maybe, um, maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. 
Yeah. I found that quite interesting. Finding where Star Trek actors were before they were in Star Trek. And the fact she was in something that was sort of in some ways slightly parodying space things. And then she was in the space thing that in some ways was being parodied. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amusing. I knew that one. They they were very interesting. You can go and find some clips of some of those early pilots on YouTube because the uh, there is definitely the one that they did prior to that which had a uh, a male cat in it who played the devil in the singing episode once more with feeling yes that's right Buffy. same guy that's why he was showing he could have been an amazing cat because he's a singer dancer broadway man yeah just, well that, that was Danny the idea. so yeah yeah that that would have been a that would have been quite an interesting as a as, as another another type of cat yes the the only person that actually was in both lots of them was robert llewellyn who uh, actually went over to the u.s and shot the pilots as Crichton over there there's a book that he wrote uh, called the man in the rubber mask which is really interesting if you're uh, talking about sort of working on that and uh, working on Red Dwarf over here and there's loads of wonderful stories in that book but it's, it's well worth uh, reading through and it's sort of about his early career as well it's very funny that, that's kind of all quite interesting and uh, we've got sorry a bit of a segue yeah, <laughs> so we'll yes from science fiction on, onto fantasy drama now. yes yes so yes we're moving from from sci-fi to fantasy drama and the announcement that there is potentially a lord of the rings tv series in development by warner brothers and the tolkien estate allegedly this is what we're being told initial thoughts on this it's gonna need to have a lot of money thrown at it but mm. i think it could be a good thing i think a lot of people are going to compare it to the movies and it's going to be a slightly hard sell in that way because people really loved the movies and they did some parts of the books wonderfully but they obviously they were movies they had to follow a certain format with crescendos and they had to sort of gloss over or add in things to to make that work and a lot of these long book formats they actually work better as tv shows because they're in chapters and they're in many chapters so potentially if they can get enough money and enough talent signed on to something like this you could be looking at the best adaptation of this we've ever seen but it's got to compete with those films on some level. I, well, I, I would have been tempted to have done The Hobbit. Yeah, well, I think what they're actually going to do is, they're, they're, though it's being referred to as a Lord of the Rings series, it's probably not going to be The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. The chances are it's going to be other bits of Middle-earth using things like the Cimmerillion and the adventures of Tom Bombadil and Unfinished Tales. And, and You've got the, things like the War in the North and things like yeah. that that have usually mostly been done in the computer games and in other things. And loads of stories that have been done in like board games and other adaptations and things that could make really good shows as well. Yeah, I, I think they're more likely to do that because it sounds like at the moment they're not going to have the license to use all the characters. They're going to be quite careful with what the Tolkien estate allows them to use because of their various rights issues. They are talking ridiculous budgets. They're talking 200 to 250 million for the rights to do it alone. So that's before you've even shot anything. And yeah, then, pocket change that. And, and then you're talking uh, 100 to 150 million per season to do it. So it, it's going to be an expensive TV show. I mean, so you you're looking at at least a million episodes. I mean, you get you're you're talking quite a lot of money. I would have said to to just to plow into the production of it. That's going to be quite interesting to see where that lands up. The front runner at the moment appears to be Amazon because the uh, the CEO of Amazon is Jeff Bezos is apparently personally involved in the negotiations for it because this is exactly the sort of show that he he tasked Amazon with going out to find because he's trying to expand the uh, Amazon catalog into being those sort of bigger broader dramas and those sort of Game of Thrones type things you know he basically was like bring me the head of Game of Thrones which is just a <laughs> mantra so I uh, love the fact that this is now considered broad drama <laughs> I know I Lord know of the Rings, that thing everybody knows and watch that that was n- not the case when I was a youth yes she says, showing rage yes no I know exactly what you mean um they would consider this broader drama than things like Transparent which you know has been a massive award success for them but those sort of little personal dramas they're trying to cut down on those and go for bigger budget kind of epic adventure things is what they're sort of looking for so uh i mean it's it's surprising they've not really done a lord of the rings tv show before to be honest because they seem to have done kind of everything else 
apart from the fact that there's been various rights issues. And whoever does it, there's so much weight on them as well. Yeah. As soon as you start touching a license like The Lord of the Rings, it's so beloved that you really have to do it right. I, I think it's a, it's a ambitious and brave person that takes on the directing of that show. I'll be very intrigued to see whether this goes anywhere. I mean, they've pitched it to various people by the sounds of it. Amazon, as I say, the front runner. Apparently Netflix is still on the cards for it. They pitched it to HBO, but they backed out, which sort of makes sense. It's, they said partly because of the massive amount of money that they're asking for it. But on top of that, they're already working on a bunch of Game of Thrones spin-offs. So this seemed to tread slightly too close to that area. It wouldn't really make sense for them to be doing both, I wouldn't have thought. Still very early days. We'll have to see whether anything comes of it. But uh, I, I like the idea. I think it could be cool. I, I think it could be amazing. But it's, yes, it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for whoever takes it, I think. Moving on to other TV shows, we've got uh, news that 24 could be returning as a female-led legal drama is apparently the latest idea. We knew that 24 was potentially coming back and they were looking to other ways of other ways of doing that after the Corey Hawkins reboot didn't quite go as well as they originally planned it to. The idea is that they would take the idea of the real-time 24-hour ticking clock and set that into something other than CTU. We didn't know exactly what format that was going to take, but they've now come out and said that they're looking at potentially doing it as a uh, courtroom drama where the ticking clock is the impending execution of a death row inmate who the female prosecutor had originally put away but now believes to be innocent. And she's obviously trying to stop the execution before it happens. I'm not sure at what point we just stop calling these things 24 because I think it's going to damage the chances more than the branding is helping it. Yeah, I sort of get it because they're sort of saying, well, 24, the 24 isn't just about CTU. It's it's basically a format and they're treating it as a format drama. And I, I sort of get that, but to a lot of I people... I can see it, but I think it just it could backfire on them. I mean, I can see that they want to run with an established brand and they want to bring forward that fan base, but that fan base also has certain expectations and it might make them look unfavorably on something that they might otherwise have enjoyed and they might be better off slightly playing down the connection or giving it more of a a separate interconnected something just to allow people to judge it on its own merit yeah i mean the problem is to a lot of people 24 is Kiefer sutherland and he's jack bauer you know i I mean it didn't really work when they brought it back with Corey hawkins in it i mean it was a fine enough show but i don't know whether the 24 real-time format actually is a good thing anymore I get that it's a gimmicky thing that they're they're trying to push, but one of the things that let down, I think, that 24 reboot for 24 Legacy was the actual 24-hour format, because there were certain things where you felt they were having to pad stuff out to fill that time as he got from A to B, or, you know, as something particular happened. We talked, I mean, because me and Matt talked quite extensively about this, about, you know, maybe you do 24 hours, but you skip hours out, possibly, to allow them to go from one thing to another, or because at the moment they're not even doing 24 episodes, they're doing 12 episode runs. So it isn't even 24 hours. It's actually 12 hours with a sort of 12 hour time jump at the end. It's a very challenging and limiting format, and it came across as very novel and new and you know, edgy and engaging the first time round. But mm. after that point, it just became harder and harder because there's only so many things you can do to get someone from A to B when you have to show it in real time Yeah. before you're either repeating yourself or using the ideas you threw out the first time or yeah. it starts to feel that way to the audience, even if that's not the case. So I think it's a, a very difficult thing to have as your your main selling point. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how well this is going to go. It'll be interesting to see if they do take this to series, how well it works, whether it will work in a separate environment and, uh, you know, using that same real-time format somewhere else or whether it is actually a problem, which was my sneaking suspicion, that it's actually a problem nowadays with the actual format itself. So uh, we'll see. But uh, it's still early days with that one. We don't know whether they are going to take it ahead or not, but uh, they're currently writing the script for a pilot. We'll see whether it goes anywhere. 
So a couple more news stories we've got as well. Nathan Fillion, who we know, of course, from Castle and Firefly, he has landed the lead role on a new ABC dramedy called The Rookie. The Rookie actually doesn't sound a million miles away from his castle show either uh he's playing a character called john nolan who's the oldest rookie in the lapd it's apparently based on a true story and sees the middle-aged nolan uprooting his life from provincial small town and moved to los angeles to pursue his dream of becoming a cop he's joining the other rookies most of which are 20 years younger than himself and must navigate his way through the often dangerous and sometimes humorous new career choice to make his second shot at life count that's the basic setup of it which isn't a million miles away from having his him turn up as a writer and sort of end up shadowing a a group of cops like he did in Castle. Really, Castle was a little bit more murder. She wrote. This is taking out the yeah the the, the, the writing aspect and just sticking with the murder. I'm guessing, but it is Nathan Fillion, and I can't think of anything he was bad in. No, I really like that guy. Uh, you know, on stage, I think he's a really you know interesting character to watch or interesting actor to watch and he's funny and this is exactly the sort of role that he works in really well that dramedy area of of being a sort of fish out of water and not quite fitting into what he should be you know trying to act younger than he is so i i think this is a great vehicle for him. Comes from Alex Hawley, who was a writer on the on Castle and also wrote some of the following as well. Mark Gordon Company, who make Designated Survivor, Quantico and Ray Donovan are one of the groups behind it, as as well as ABC Studios. I mean, it's got a fairly solid team behind it. It's actually got a straight-to-series order, so ABC, you will be seeing this show. Don't know whether it's got picked up over here yet because it's way too early for that because it's not going to come until probably towards the end of next year or middle to end of next year in uh, the US. So, uh, But you can imagine Alibi over here are going to be very keen on picking this up given that it's Nathan Fillion in this sort of castle-esque sort of role. It's exactly their sort of area. So we'll see. But I thought that was an interesting thing for for him to uh, end up with because it's a very similar kind of role to his castle role. And uh, lastly, we've got a reboot of The Twilight Zone, which was apparently being made at CBS. One of the people alleged to be involved at the moment is Jordan Peele of Key and Peele, the uh, comedy geo, who has also become quite a well-respected film director. So for those of you that are, don't know the twilight zone it's basically the grandfather of the modern sci-fi series uh, certainly the modern anthology series took individual characters and sold, told a different story each week there were one-off stories based on either the paranormal or sci-fi or something being slightly off with the world usually with some sort of moral or twist at the end it's effectively i mean twilight zone is basically black mirror now you know <laughs> i guess they're very similar in in the type of shows they are, I would have said. I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Twilight Zone brand. I'm assuming fairly well. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the Twilight Zone. Um, I think in the case of this, they're, they're picking up on it because it is an awesome, well-known name and they, they wanted to make an anthology series. I mean, the Twilight yeah. Zone was all about them being unconnected. Yeah. So it's going to be something completely new because it was something completely new every week. They were directed by different people every week. They felt very different. They had, you know, they sort of went, they went around different bits of science fiction, almost into horrory bits at points. So yeah, it's very hard to tell what this is going to be, to be, but if it's more sci-fi anthology stuff, I'm, I'm generally on board. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen this rash of, kind of dark anthology series recently because I mean Black Mirror obviously Room 104 which is the Duffer Brothers series which runs on HBO which has been absolutely brilliant Dimension 404 which is a slightly more comic version of what Twilight Zone was it's rather more light-hearted but still the same sort of anthology type thing and of course Electric Dreams as well which is all the Philip K. Dick stuff these sort of dark anthology series seem to be quite popular at the moment it's no great shock that CBS want to get on board with that particularly if they have access to a big brand like the twilight zone which is a sort of granddaddy of the whole thing i think this is probably a good move if you've got some reasonable 
people behind it. Jordan Peele seems to have got quite a lot of critical acclaim for his horror film Get Out. So he's got him behind it. The showrunner is a guy called Mark Ramirez, who also worked on The Defenders, Fear the Walking Dead and Da Vinci's Demons. So he's got quite a lot of experience with interesting genre shows. I I think this is, uh, yeah, this, this certainly has possibilities. Still no news on where it's going to land in the UK yet, because it's way, way too early for that. But uh, given that CBS already has a partner in worldwide with Netflix. The chances are they're going to want somebody to a big international distributor. So I would have thought Netflix would be a fairly safe bet as to where this may end up. The show's been rebooted a number of times before. They've done it. Uh, the original series was five seasons. They made a movie version. Then they made another version in '85, and then they made another version in 2002. So it, it, you know it's not a new thing them rebooting this. Uh, and as we say, a lot of people have taken inspiration from that basic idea. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens with this moving on forward. So that's all the news for this week. Next up, we have the interview. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. The interview this week is with Amber Rose Reaver. She started her screen career in I Can't Think Straight, which has since become a worldwide cult LGBT film. She made a television debut on the BBC HBO Emmy-nominated House of Saddam in uh, 2008. In 2010, she starred in Luke Besson's From Paris with Love with John Travolta and Jonathan Rhys-Meyers. She's had a reoccurring role in Borgia, the Canal Plus series in 2013 she played the lead role in the bbc four-part mystery drama what remains she played the role of mary magdalene in the bible series for the history channel she's appeared in silent witness she's been in foils war she's popped up in midsummer murders she also had a starring role in india summers which is maybe where you probably seen her most recently and she was also in emerald city the nbc drama with vincent d'onafrio her latest role sees her playing the leading female part in netflix's upcoming the punisher series which airs worldwide from the 17th of november on the streaming service she plays the character of dina medina who is an iranian american homeland security agent who's in pursuit of the punisher so here's the interview with amber we recorded this a few weeks ago just slightly before new york comic con which of course they were supposed to have a panel and then it didn't happen after the events in las vegas they cancelled it but she does talk a little bit about um going to previous comic cons because we got into that and uh, also obviously talks about playing her role it was recorded on a telephone so it's not the best audio quality but you should be able to hear it i think fairly well so uh here's the interview with amber i hope you enjoy this we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week hi dave how's it going thank you for coming on and spending a bit of time just to talk about the punisher which is a show yeah show i'm very much looking forward to thank you yeah (laughs) i hear you know i see more and more people kind of coming out the woodwork and telling me that they're enormous punisher fans you know friends (laughs) of mine i never knew even in comics so i'm quite looking forward to it too (laughs) (laughs) whereabouts are you at the moment by the way I'm in London. I just wondered, because obviously I know the Punisher's shot over in New York. I just wondered whether you were still over there or whether you'd come back. No, over here for now, but I'm going back to Comic-Con, so oh, I'll, be cool. back, I'll be back and forth. Um, but it's lovely because I have a kind of place to go over there, so it means that it doesn't make it as stressful going over there. Time, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> you mentioned that you were going back over for Comic-Con. Is that your first experience of a Comic-Con? Well, actually, last year, so we were over there, so we started filming last year in um, September, September roundabout. 
And then they said, you know, it's New York Comic Con coming up. And I thought, okay, I've never been to a Comic Con before. So, you know, I said to Jeff Lowe, who's the head of our uh, Marvel television, I said, you know, can I get some tickets? And he was like, yeah, here you go. So I went along and it was absolutely mad. It was brilliant. But um, <laughs> it was my, that was my first experience. So I went with another member, actually the, the actor that played my partner in it. Yeah. And we just kind of wandered around and we met the artist. It was incredible. It was really incredible. We actually spoke to one of the artists that's writing the current, the female artist that's writing the current Punisher. Right. Actually, no, we didn't speak directly to her, but it was one of the other guys who was there, who was a good friend of hers, and a good friend of hers, and we were getting all the kind of background of what she's been doing, which was great, you know, in terms of coming over there and starting a show, like being able to speak to the artists and see them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was mad. I didn't, you know, seeing some of the costumes that people dress up in was really incredible. I know. They're um, amazing, aren't they? Did you see any Punisher people? They go all out. I don't think so. We saw, well, a few of the stands were selling kind of a lot of Punisher stuff, but no. Okay. I don't think we saw anyone from Punisher there, no. I'm sure that'll um, change. It was, the... <laughs> it was brilliant. It was a fun event. I'm sure that'll change once the TV series comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day that I'm walking through a Comic-Con and I see someone dressed as me. Is this my character in the show? Like, that will be, you know, that will be quite a momentous occasion. I'm sure it'll happen. See, this is what I always say to to, uh, actors whenever they kind of get involved in either comic book or sci-fi shows. They're worth doing whatever they are just because you're basically set for life being able to show up at any Comic-Con after that. (laughs) Because you've got a job for life just signing you know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny one of the actors on Iron Fist so he was we found out he found out that I was doing the Punisher um, and he's a friend of mine we worked together about 10 years ago and he called me from New York he's like Amber I saw your name you're doing it you know it's really exciting and I went over there so before we even started filming I went over there we sat down we had lunch and that's basically what he was saying to me he goes Amber you know what from now on, I'm just going to be going to all the Comic-Cons around the <laughs> yeah. world. This is my ticket for traveling. Obviously, now I can't disclose who that actor was. <laughs> but that's basically exactly what he said. And I was like, hmm, okay, I'm just really excited about the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's good you got to experience it at least once without being on a panel because you could walk around in somewhat anonymity, <laughs> sure. you know. So, so see, next time you've got to do it, you've got to buy yourself a, like a, a helmet or something like a stormtrooper helmet so people don't see well, maybe face. I could go dressed up as like Frank I could go dressed up as Frank <laughs> off like no one would know <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that's what you do well you'll know if I do it in October you'll know that you planted the scene here <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> So um, the show, it's a spin-off from Daredevil, basically, and uh, yeah. they, they decided to pick him up as his own character. John was brilliant in that second season of Daredevil. He was, he was fantastic, yeah. Um, when you get the phone call that says they want you to be in Marvel's Punisher, does it just get to, we want you to be in Marvel's, and you just go, yes? <laughs> <laughs> that simple process but in reality it was kind of about six seven weeks of auditions and yeah. you know they flew me to LA for a um, for a screen test so it was a round trip of you know three days where I didn't sleep for <laughs> 72 hours you know literally no sleep wow. um, and then kind of meetings with directors and discussions with our showrunner about the character about so I think by the time that you know they've offered me the role I'm just it's kind of like a now I can sleep. Yeah, yeah. But it was just, I think with the role also, apart from it being, because, you know, and honestly, I hadn't, I wasn't a comic book fan beforehand. So it kind of opened the whole world of comics to me. So more than anything, it wasn't going, okay, I really want to be in this, in the world of Marvel. It was going, God, I love this character. I love this character. I love that she's this incredible woman that's both physically and mentally really, really strong, really able. You know, I'm, I'm not white, I'm mixed. So I'm half um, Polish and half Kenyan Indian. So right. the opportunities don't arise that often to play these incredible, really interesting, fully fleshed out leads yeah. in shows. So, which is obviously changing now as the world's opening up to understanding that everyone has stories, and you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but it, it doesn't have to be this kind of casting of specific ethnicities and blah, blah blah. So it was just, I think, with the character, I was just so excited about it. That the kind of marvel was in the background. It was like. And playing this character amazing. <laughs> so then, you know, it was just a bit of an added bonus that happened to be one of the biggest yeah. like fan base 
franchise shows in the, in the world. So, yeah, I'm um, very, very fortunate. With it. Very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. So what can you tell us about the character that's not going to have a Marvel SWAT team kicking down your door? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is what I was running over just about half an hour ago. Because I was thinking, God, you know, we finished filming in April. And I thought, I don't completely remember what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not. <laughs> but I will have someone with a shotgun at my door if I say anything. I'm not supposed to. So, Dina Madani, so I'm a uh, Homeland Security Officer. Yeah. Um, I've been in Afghanistan and I've been stationed there. And, you know, she's Iranian-American, but kind of completely affiliated with the American way of life. She sees herself as American. That's what her being is. That's what she wants to protect. That's why she does what she does. So yeah. she's in Afghanistan and then she realises something uh, a bit shady, a bit dodgy is going on and she's sent back to New York. So we start the show and she's in New York. She's been sent something, although I'm not sure if I'm exactly what I'm supposed to say about <laughs> what, you know, I don't know how far I can go with that. But she's yeah. been sent something which leads her to be untrustworthy of the people around her. So she's back in New York. She's got a new partner, right. um, new boss. You know, she doesn't know why she's there. And then her story kind of... Her investigations lead her to cross paths with Frank Castle. And that's where it gets really saucy and really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can. Yeah. I can. And, and her partner. So her yeah. partner's been killed in Afghanistan as well. Right, um, okay. So, yeah. I can feel kind of red dots being kind of landing on your chest at this point. From, yeah, <laughs> from I'm sniper rifles. through my window that I'm looking out of now. <laughs> so, did you have any familiarity with the characters of, of sort of Punisher beforehand? Well, I'd watched Daredevil. Um, right. And so I, I'm not, I wasn't really, you know, I hadn't read the comics beforehand, but I watched the shows just because they're brilliant shows. But I watched them apart from them being the comic shows. Right? Yeah. I watched them because they're such fantastic shows, because all my friends, you know, when they were out, were just like, oh, there's a show that you have to watch, which is what happens with yeah. um, the Marvel shows. So I'd, I'd seen, you know, the representation of Frank Castle by John yeah. in Daredevil. But no, apart from that, not. And, you know, suddenly my sister, so for years I have a younger sister who's 10 years younger, quite a big age gap. Right. And she's completely obsessed, like <laughs> obsessed with Marvel, just loves it. It's her raison d'etre, you know. She has Marvel <laughs> socks on, she has Marvel <laughs> kind of hats, T-shirts. And she kind of, you know, as people that are not in the industry do, do because my, my family aren't, they're kind of, you know, she's like, I'm being not the ideal. She kind of, she's got a job on a Marvel show, you know? She was like, I was really, like, and I was like, Liz, you know, it's not, it's not always that um, simple with stuff. Anyway, so when it came up, she was just brilliant because she tells me about the shows, about the world, about the characters anyway. But I think when I was off the job, it was like, okay, Liberty, now, research is beginning. Now I want you to, you know, um, you're going to be the, the kind of person that's going to, Give me all my knowledge. So she was really excited about that. <laughs> awesome. Yes. You have your own little researcher. That's fab- fabulous. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> She'll be chuffed that I'm doing this interview with you because of the website, you know. I think she's been <laughs> a lot of her day on it. <laughs> awesome. Um, so the character that you're playing isn't actually a comic book character as far as we know. I know Marvel sometimes kind of do misdirects on that, but at the moment it doesn't seem like she was a character from the comic books. Does that make any difference to you in terms of, you know, because there's no comic book back? ground to that character or does it does it make no difference at all no I think it does make a difference in that when I got the job you know I do my research was more based on um, Homeland and on you know what it's like for those people and the psychological processes that she'll be going through rather than the kind of background of the comics so I think for a lot of actors, if you're if you're then playing someone that's been written about in the comics, you have I think probably a responsibility. I mean, I don't want to talk to those actors, but some kind of responsibility to go. I want to represent this person yeah. in 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 a light that represents how how they've been portrayed in the comics. Whereas because I didn't have that, I think probably it was more open, you know, in, in my representation. Yeah. Um, I was I was really fortunate. You know, in Marvel they have a lot of contacts with people, and I was I had some I had had some actual Homeland offices in New York that I managed to kind of send my way into getting in touch with. I went into Homeland. I basically 
just harass them for just <laughs> information about everything, and you know, and and just talking to them about how they feel about stuff. Because I think that was that was the most important thing to me when playing the role. Yeah, it was to represent them properly, and then also, you know, um, speaking to a lot of Iranian people, getting a background of to make that kind of authentic. Right. So yeah, yeah. I think that I think that it was very different, actually. Yeah. But, but like you say, I mean, you probably know as much as I do over about whether in the future she could become someone else from the conference because we're yeah. like with most other things we're told every, uh, most things as everyone else is so <laughs> it's kind of exciting to see where could she go but for now all that I can do is try and play yeah. my role as authentically what, what you've been told at this point yes <laughs> exactly exactly did you get any sort of training and, and, and stuff because I mean is this the first time you've you've actually worked with guns and, and you know in a kind of that sort of police role it is it is it's a very it's a very different role for me actually yeah um, and we did we had brilliant stunt team so we had a brilliant stunt team but we came in and they trained us kind of so for the first month I was doing a lot of gun training um, I had a special uh, shotgun made for me which was um, <laughs> created specially and designed for my height right. and my stature so it was this kind of mini shotgun almost it was brilliant <laughs> um, and we had an armourer that would always be on set with us so that was really really useful I also did a, you know, a bunch of fight training which was which was fun oh cool um, but there was a lot I mean there was a lot which was kind of fishing outside my comfort zone but that's what I love you know that's what most factors love so it was really interesting you know even driving even a lot of the stunt things we had I had an incredible stuntman who was there if I didn't want to do something because she was amazing. But a lot of the stuff we end up actually doing ourselves, so, right. which makes it quite intense and it makes the filming, you know, it's really exciting. It's real. It's a real challenge. And I hope that when we see it, that when that it pays off and that it looks really that she looks better. That's why <laughs> <laughs> was my main objective to be Madonna to be really better. Well, they they released a, a few new uh, photos, and one of them is a shot of you in yeah. a police vest holding that shotgun. I think so. Uh, it looks fairly oh, badass. Shotgun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks fairly badass yeah. as far as I can tell. Yeah. So I think you've achieved it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I hope so. One of the previous jobs you had was on uh, Emerald City, where you were working yes. with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who, of course, is Kingpin, Wilson Fisk in this as well, in the exactly. uh, Marvel Universe. Uh, did you get any tips off off him? I mean, I don't know whether you knew you had the role at the time or have you kind of spoken to well, him since? Well, no, I hadn't even read for the role when I was doing Emerald City, actually. Right. Um, but it was funny because he's such a fantastic actor yeah. and really is someone that, you know, I love actors that really transform themselves. I mean, every actor has a different path and some actors play quite similar roles and work differently, manifest themselves in their characters. But with Vincent, he, he transforms himself so much vocally, kind of his whole being, physically, the way he looks, you know, with whatever he's doing to his hair, to his makeup. So it was great because meeting him on Emerald City and seeing and seeing him as that character that he played and then thinking about just how different he was in Daredevil. Yeah. Was, I mean, that was, you know, it was brilliant because you just realise the transformation that people can that people can make. And and I loved him as this. He's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even know beforehand. So I didn't, I hadn't even, you know, seen the script or read, read the role. So I think he I think I must have said when I met him, God, I love you in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I interviewed him just before Emerald City came out, I think it was, over here. So, uh, yeah, but yes, very nice guy. Oh, he's lovely. Yeah. So, so down to earth. Yeah, so yeah. the best actor are, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go on to some slightly more general questions. Sure. How did you get into acting in the first place? Well, so when so my grandmother, who is um, not around anymore, but she was she's Polish, um, right. and they were Polish Jewish. They left during the war. You know, they were kind of refugees. They came over here. We're lucky enough that Britain was open to letting people in. Yeah. They settled. They settled in Paris actually. Oh, cool. And they had to leave everything. Like they were from a very bourgeois for the family in Poland but of course because of the war they yes. left with nothing absolutely nothing and when they settled here 
like I, you know, obviously my grand, my grand, my grandfather, he set up his own business. They worked really, really hard, established themselves over here. And my grand always had this real love for the theatre. Yeah. So I think because, you know, during the war, so much of the arts were oppressed, expressions oppressed. So when she came over here, she just loved the theatre. She loved walking around London. It, it, in some ways, it's interesting because it has the parallels of like of Adina Madani in America, this idea that her parents are immigrants, which they are. Yeah. Um, they've come over to America, built a life for themselves. And she has this real love and passion and is really, you know, completely American. Yeah. And so passionate about the country and, and, and doing whatever she can for it. And I think with my grandmother, she instilled that in us about, about right. England, about London, that all the wonderful things that it has. And so from a very young age, I was taken to the theatre. I was like, lucky enough to be taken. And I would just marvel at the shows and just got so emotional watching them and kind of saw... That's where I really started my love of theatre. Yeah. Uh, and then as I got older, I think that's what I always wanted. That's what I always was my dream, you know, be on stage. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, I kind of carried that on. I had kind of strange, I guess, upbringing, as we all do. But um, I've got four siblings, right. and we all we have we have four different dads, so we all look very different. Right. Um, and with my background, yeah, it's a, it's a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> and with my background, I always found identity such a something that I struggled with a bit. You know, I'm half I'm half Kenyan Indian, half Polish Jewish, I can say. So, and then you know, where do I fit in? But then I'm British and I see myself as very British. Again, so many parallels with the character. Yeah. And so then, and then I just, I saw art as a way of expressing that and kind of exploring it. It was brilliant. And then the older, it's interesting because through, and so I started, I started acting when I was, I went to Brunel University um, and studied like contemporary and more contemporary performance there. But, you know, I started professionally in TV and film then when I was 17, so right. 13 years ago. And it was just interesting because I think as I as I got older each year, playing so many different ethnicities, it's just made me explore it even more and question it even more and, you know, find answers and discover things and talk to people about their perceptions of identity. So I guess I'm always learning, always growing with it, always discovering. Yeah. And yeah, this is another, I guess with this show, it's another means of doing that because it's playing something very different for me again. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's wonderful because you get to talk to other people and, and other people that have similar questions about themselves <laughs> and about the world and how they're represented and how they're seen. And, and I think, in, you know, in the world now, it's very important because there's so much movement of people in multiculturalism and, and then we're seeing, obviously, a backlash in that in some ways. Yeah. So I think it's kind of amazing that this show is coming out now when it's a matter that's so important to me and has always been in my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very complicated answer, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, who inspires you? Uh, well, I have a lot of wonderful women in my life, so I'd have to say my mum. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's a cliche answer, but she hasn't always been, you know, we've had ups and downs, she's had ups and downs, but I think she's come through them, and that's really incredible. I grew up with my, my, my stepfather when I was growing up was an alcoholic, so, you know, I didn't have the easiest upbringing. And, yeah. um and I think my mum has inspired me because she, you know, we all have difficulties in our lives. We all have problems. We all have difficult things to deal with and overcome. Yeah. Um, and I've got a really, really close relationship with her. And I just think she's incredible because it's not about always being the best. It's not about always doing the right thing. We all do a lot of wrong things. Um, but really, it's about overcoming them and finding a way through them. So I'd have to say my mum and my, my grandmother. Um, and just, you know, there's a lot of wonderful women. I was lucky enough in New York when I was out there. So not knowing where I was going to where I was going to stay because, of course, it's Marvel. And they tell you two days before that you're going to New York for <laughs> six months. So, and I got out there and I had a found a long-lost relative that was like a distant, distant cousin who I'd never met before. Right. And she was kind enough to say, you know, come and stay with me while you're looking for a place. I get there and it's just this incredible place for me to live in Manhattan. <laughs> and, you know, you just think the kindness of people. Yeah. And then I got to know her. We really got on and she said, why don't you stay for six months? So I stayed there for three months. And, <laughs> awesome. You, know, you think, well, it's amazing. There's so much. Yeah, it's so lovely. You know, we, we watch the news and every day there's so many difficult things going on in the world. And it's remembering those nuggets of just goodness, good people, you know, lovely. I mean, it's lovely chatting to you now. You know, it's, it's <laughs> nice, nice energy. I'm really, I'm really about energies and I think it's really nice to have that. So it's all those people that kind of give me that good energy that inspire me because it Aww. reminds you that 
every day that there's things to look forward to and there's hope in the world. And yeah. We're nearly up to half an hour, so I, I'm... Uh... I'm going to give you the uh, the final two questions that we always ask people in the interviews. Of course, yeah. The first one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh, uh, I'm loving Insecure. I think it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Insecure is fantastic. I love the writing. I love that it's young women that are writing and creating. Yeah. Um, the second series, I'm very late to but the second series is Master of None, as I'm sorry. Yes. Um, and that's just hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And the building that I actually live in New York, his co-writer lives in that same building. Oh, really? So I've seen him a couple of times, and every time I want to go up to him, be like, "Oh, no, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm watching those at the moment." And uh, go, you get points for getting a Netflix show in there as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Staying on topic. Oh, and I could finish the Defenders. Obviously, I finished the Defenders. I should get that in there. <laughs> yeah, good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if- if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, not a show that you've been on, obviously, which show would it be? Oh, well, I guess every other person that you must have interviewed has said Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, um, it comes up so, quite a lot. So yes. I'm going to... Okay, uh, shows. So I love Black Mirror, so I'd say I would be a... I'd be a robot in Black Mirror. Ooh. Um, Yes. Black is brilliant. I'd Doctor Who. I'd be an alien. I'd, I'd <laughs> love to do Doctor Who, and I'd be an alien. And then let's put a Game of Thrones in there. I'd have to be like a monster or something. Gonna go. <laughs> if I'm allowed to have three. Yeah. No. That's. <laughs> I think that's fine. Awesome. All right. I shall. I shall let you get back to your date. Thank you for for coming pleasure. on and spending yeah. a bit of time. It's My been a real pleasure. pleasure. Really lovely to see you. Uh, okay. Lovely to talk to you. Brilliant. Right. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. Okay, so that was the interview with Amber. Hope you really enjoyed that. As I said, Punisher comes out worldwide the 17th of November on Netflix. So I'm sure you'll all be going to watch that. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. First off, we have Blindspot returning for its third season. That's on the 6th of November at 10 p.m. That's back on Sky Living. We've got Sick Note, season one of that, which is the new comedy starring Rupert Grint, Nick Frost and Don Johnson. That's arriving on the 7th of November at 10 p.m. on Sky One. We've got The Sinner. That's new show starring Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman. It's a new anthology series about a mother who inexplicably commits a violent act that starts on the 7th as well the detectorist is back for its third and final season that's Toby Jones and Mackenzie Crook back as metal detectorists in uh, Essex in a sort of easygoing comedy then we've got Grey's Anatomy which I know a lot of people are waiting for starting with its 14th season on Sky Living on the 8th of November at 9pm and Major Crimes back for its sixth and final season on the Universal Channel on the 13th of November at 9pm that's all the uh, highlights that we've got for next week unless you've got anything else you want to add in no i think the highlight for my week will be honey and lemon under a large blanket in front of a television (laughs) yes that sounds like a good idea hopefully you're not sniffing quite as much (laughs) you can find bex at trista bites i'm on youtube facebook twitter and instagram and that's trista bites is bites is spelt with a y because i'm that geeky i need (laughs) i need to not make puns out of my names (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Just a bite, bites with a Y. Why? Because I'm too geeky. Um, <laughs> and that's on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. And Twitter most and of the social media is all under the same name because I may choose silly pun names, but I am clever <laughs> enough to at least use the silly same pun name on every different medium. Exactly. Um, for <laughs> us, you can find all the latest air dates and uh, all the stuff we were talking about from Comic Con. You can find all that as well up on geektown.co.uk throughout the week. And see all the latest air day info if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave us a message on the website post you can find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye take care guys
late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts.